this morning on part two. So I want you to, if you're following along with the app, if you don't have the Rock of Central Florida app, I would encourage you to download it real quick. And uh, you can follow right along with us by clicking on the link that's on the home page, and it'll take you through these scriptures that I'm going to read. You can add some notes in there, or you can save them or share them with uh, other folks. Uh, but I want to start this morning uh, with this statement. Loving God is our purpose above all else. Let me say it again. Loving God is our purpose above all else. It's a funny word though, love. Because depending on how you use that word, changes its definition entirely. For one parent, one moment in a parent's life, they'll go up to their child and they'll wrap their arms around their children and they will squeeze them as I did my granddaughter that I wasn't able to hold for two weeks because of everything going on. And when I hold her, I love her. Of course, the second part of love I'm going to tell you about will never happen with me and my grandbaby. But <laughs> with children, let me go back to children. because it's <laughs> So you hold them and you love them and you, you squeeze them and you demonstrate for them, I feel safe, I feel protected, and I feel loved. And they define that squeeze, they define that kiss, they define that rub on the head. My son, when he was growing up, one of the things he used to love was he would lay his head, he was a little boy, and he would lay his head on mine or my wife's lap, and he wanted us to rub his head. So we would take our fingers and just massage his scalp. He loved that. And so we, in fact, he still loves that. And we would massage his, massage his scalp. And... You know, he loved that. But then there were other times in my children's lives where whether my wife or me, um, we would show a different kind of love, had a different definition. And they would be uh, disobedient or they would make a decision that required some discipline. And we would have to come to them and it wasn't a hug that they received. It was either a paddle that we named order. Uh, we engraved order on that pad. I know some of you don't believe in corporal punishment. That's up to you. We did and loved it, and we have great kids because of it. And uh, we beat the sin out of them. And so we had this paddle, and we would use the paddle, and we used it twice. Don't hold that against me. If you don't beat your kids like we did, then don't. <laughs> but we had a rule. We gave two pops. They got two pops no matter what. They will to this day tell you that there were moments that we went beyond those two pops. Never listen to them. It felt like they got 10 pops, but they always got two, and we would pop them. Now, I will say that there were times that these two pops were harder than the two the day before. Um, had a little bit more uh, uh, ambition in this one, so, but, but it was still love. It was still love. It was just defined differently, but it was still love. Everybody say it was still love. And, and it was important that we did this. And so when my wife and I, before we had children, we already had determined in ourselves how we were going to love them. We had already made some decisions. Uh, in fact, we were engaged and we were already talking about when we have kids, how will we love our kids? How are we going to do this together? And we had already established different ways that we would do that. What would discipline look like? What would we do if one of them came to one of us and tried to get one of us to side against the other? What would we do when they did something great? You know, how would we celebrate those moments? And we, early on, before we even had a child, began to discuss how we were going to love our kids. So we knew going in, we're going to love our kids by always letting them know that no matter what, we will be there for them. 
in agreement or in disagreement, we will always be present for our kids. Our children will never not feel safe. And that was a decision that we made before our Kaylee was even born. And we knew that we were going to love them by making them safe. How to love our kids? We're going to make them safe. We also knew we're going to love them because we're going to discipline them. We know at this time what we're going to do is, I tell you, because our discipline growing up, hers was different than mine, mine was different than hers. Uh, my father very much believed in corporal punishment. In fact, there's a manual, I believe, he wrote that will help anybody that doesn't know how. And, but he believed in corporal punishment and, and used it very liberally. Uh, he was never restrained. I remember as I grew up, as some of you will remember that are of my generation, this was a normal thing. Uh, the, the, the worst possible thing for any child of my generation was to grow up in a home with a cherry tree in the backyard. That was the worst, because cherry tree branches never get hard. They're too flexible and flimsy. And they have these little knobbies on them. And I grew up, growing up in the home, I remember the times that my dad, and my dad never had a two-pop rule. The crime justifies the end for him. So when we would come in, my, my dad would say, if we knew we did something wrong, it was either the belt, we prayed for the belt. The belt, please the belt. Oh God, please the belt. And I know I'm making my dad sound like a horrible man. He's the most incredible man that has ever walked on this planet. I just want you to know that. I could not be who I am today if it were not for a man that beat the snot out of me. <laughs> Interpret that how you want. But we would come, something was wrong, and he would say, I want you to go out to that tree. I've told this before, but he said, I want you to go out to the tree, cherry tree in the back, and I want you to pick a branch. And I don't want you to get some wimpy branch. It better matter. You cut that branch down and then give you the little cutters to cut it off with. It's like picking the rifle that you're going to get shot with at the firing squad. So me and my brother, it was always me and my brother, me and my older brother, we were always, I'm sure it was his fault and I got stuck to it, but, but we would always, always together and we'd go out there and, and we would argue, that's not thick enough, that's too small, that's this, we got to choose something. And really what you're trying to do is make dad forget. But we would cut this branch and we would go in there. And I'm going to tell you, dad would look at that thing and he would run his hand down that thing, make sure it was long enough, get enough, you know, it has to get enough whip in it. When you rear that thing back, it has to have enough juice. How many have ever, how many have ever been whipped with a switch? Wow, that many. And it's the best of the people in the room. No, I'm just kidding. So he would tell us, he would say, Bend over that thing, and we would bend over, and he would, but I want to, my point being this, I'm dragging this thing out way too long. First of all, I want to, I want to clear my dad's name. He got out of prison right before, no, my dad was the most incredible man on the planet, and if there's anything good in me today, the good in me was formed and fashioned on the backside of a switch or a belt. That's just the truth. And I can tell you that I never felt unloved. Even when in the middle of it now, it feel, doesn't feel like love. Every time he would go back and then come back, and it would leave whelps. Anybody that's ever been whipped with a switch knows it would leave whelps. It could, it could actually, it could draw blood. Yeah. 
Yeah, quickly. It could draw blood. It, was, it had to be a towel nearby. Same thing with a belt. But it, I never felt unloved. Even in the middle of my tears. And they were real tears. There wasn't, I wasn't making it up to get him to stop. When my dad whipped, tears were coming. It didn't matter how old we were. I remember one. I can't, I can't get into that story. Stop, Steve. Stop. I've told you the comic book story before. I won't tell it again. That was the day I stopped reading comic books. But he would use these things, and I would think, I never stopped loving my dad in the middle of all of it. Until the day he passed in 2013, I can tell you, there's nobody on this planet I will honor more ever than my father. We didn't agree on everything. Religiously, kingdom-wise, we didn't see everything the same way. But no one ever loved me any more than my dad did. And he wasn't even my biological father. But he was my dad. And he loved me with everything in him. So love is an interesting word because depending on how you use it, it's defined very differently, yet it has the same impact. Love isn't a word that is meant to be used in the moment. It's meant to be a word that forms you into something that you will become in the future. Love is what we use to form and fashion someone. I can't say to someone, I love you today, and I'm going to keep you safe, and then tomorrow not keep them safe. That's not love. I don't love them. I can't say to the Father today, I love you today, and then tomorrow ignore him, and me love him. Love isn't something that is about the moment. Love is something that we do that forms people. And causes them to become something that they could not be without it. And that love, depending on how it's defined, begins to develop us. So we chose, Kim and I chose, how to love our kids. How are we going to love our kids? We're going to love them in these ways. We're going to discipline them and we're going to make them feel safe. And then we'll see what the Father does with that. And we're pretty proud of what He's done. So whether or not people love God does not determine whether or not He exists. You could line up a thousand people and 999 of them say, I don't love God, I don't care about God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change whether or not He exists. I want you to understand today, God exists. Yahweh exists, and not only does Yahweh exist, Yahweh is a living, existing God. He's alive, and He exists, and He wants to be loved. He wants to be loved. So whether or not people do love him does not determine his existence. In fact, he exists, therefore we should love him. Because he is, I should love him. Just because he is. Whether he ever did anything for me or not, because he is, I should love him. Because if he never did did another thing, he made me. He made me because he believed that I'm important. So if nobody else in the entire world believes that I'm important, God does. If there's nobody else that I know in my life or have ever known or will ever know that believes I have worth, even if they don't, God does. If every person that I ever speak to from this day forward has nothing but evil and derogatory things to say about me, this is what I know. God doesn't. Everyone can stop loving me, but God never will. And He exists, 
and he gives me place. And wherever my here is, there he is. And I'm going to love him. I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 22. Turn with me there if you would please or follow on the screen or on your app. Matthew chapter 22 beginning with verse 36 reads like this in the ESV. It says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And then a second is like it. And it is this. You shall also love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. Visualize it like this. If there is a hat rack hanging in the corner of your foyer in your house when you walk in the front door, the two hats are the law and the prophet. The hat rack is doing the commands of the Lord, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. He said, on these two commandments, the law and the prophets depend. So if loving God with everything in you and loving your neighbor fail, everything else will fail with it. Let me back up and read that last part of the scripture again. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You want to know how to love God? Here we go. He said, on these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. If these two things are not done, nothing else works. If you do not love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and if you do not love your neighbor as yourself, you can have the law and the prophets memorized, and it might as well be a dung heap in the middle of your front yard. Without loving God and without loving your neighbor with everything that you are, it is not possible to please Him. So if loving God with everything in you and loving your neighbor cease, then everything else ceases with it. The moment I stop loving God, law does not work for me. And I'm not talking about law, do this, do this, the Ten Commandments. I'm not talking about that law. He said the two commandments depend on it. Commandments and law aren't exactly the same thing because commandments are whatever His Word is. What is he saying? What is he speaking? If those commandments depend on me loving him for those things to come to pass, I would think it would be important for me to pay attention on how I love him. Father, I want to love you. Then love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a mystery. We witness this truth every day and more so as each day passes. When people stop loving God, we watch this, their, their, everything around them begin to fall apart and begin to implode. You can set up 10 people across the back of the room and when you line them up, you can get to know them. And as you get to know them, you can tell very quickly who loves God, who honors God, who does not. Who loves their neighbor, who does not. Because anybody that does not love God is immediately their first go-to is selfishness. I'm going to make sure that I'm fixed first. I want to make sure that everything right here is good. I want to make sure that I have all my stuff and then I'll worry about everybody else. And that's not the way of the Lord. 
There's an American evangelist who died in 1928 named R.A. Torrey, and he said this. He said, and this is powerful, he said, If loving God with all our heart and soul and might is the greatest commandment, then it follows that not loving Him that way is the greatest sin. Did you hear what I said? That is a powerful statement. He said this, if loving God with all of our heart, soul, and might is the greatest commandment, then it would follow that not loving Him that same way is the greatest sin. Loving Him with my heart, soul, and mind means turning my attention to Him and to what honors Him. How do I love God? I want to look in His face. I want to give him my time. I want to give him my moments. I want to be fully aware that he is. It's not showing up on Sunday and forgetting about him on Monday. It's not making what we do here the important thing and saying, you know, Sunday morning's the most important thing. It is important, but it's not any more important than how you honor him on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday. Amen. How to love God is not a difficult thing to do. It's really not. I can tell you this today, people that don't even believe in God can love God. Because I don't believe there's anybody that genuinely does not believe in God. Because the nature of man, see the Spirit of the Lord is in all of us. Whether or not we are active, if you're breathing, you're only breathing because the pneuma of God is in you. You cannot deny, no one, whether they can call themselves an atheist, cannot deny the presence of God. God's in them. Now, he may not be alive and moving in them. They may not be giving him the reign, the ability to uh, liberate who they are. But he's there. He's there. So, if the Father is in us, I believe this, even the person who denies God and says, I don't believe in God, even that person can love God. Let me tell you how. Because I go back to Matthew. And if you go back to Matthew and you love your neighbor as yourself, I've met some people who say, I don't love God, but they care more about their neighbor than the people who say they love God. They care more about the needs in the community than the people who say they love God, than the people who rise up every day and say, hallelujah, hallelujah. And you got the neighbor over there singing Led Zeppelin, patching up the hole in the neighbor's house. They don't even know it and they're loving God. Is anybody hearing what I'm telling you this morning? They don't even know it, and they're loving God because the nature of God is in them but suppressed. So our heart, soul, and mind, we love Him. I want to love the Father. I want to love Him. I want to tell you today, for those of you that are listening to me and you're trying to decide whether or not you actually do have believe in God or you even want relationship with God, I want to tell you that loving Him is not hard. Uh, whether you believe in Him or you give your whole mind to Him right now, your whole heart to Him right now, there's nothing I can do about that. That's up to you. But I want to tell you, you can love Him. And as you move through that love of Him, I want to tell you, He will make Himself real to you. You begin to love Him even if you don't believe, you'll begin to believe. Our heart, soul, and mind means turning our attention to Him and what honors Him and I can tell you, when we turn our attention to the Father and what honors Him, it becomes important to us, not just on Sunday morning. People show up on Sunday morning because they believe that's what I'm supposed to do because I'm part of the kingdom of God, so I should show up on Sunday morning. And that's good. That's right. That's wonderful. 
But what about showing up on Sunday morning because I simply want to honor God? It's not just that. And then getting up Sunday, Monday morning in my bed, waking up and saying, Father, thank you for this day. Rain or shine, hurricane, whatever might be out there. Man, have we not had great weather after that hurricane? Whatever might be out there, Father, I'm honoring you today. How can I honor you? It's Monday. Or we wake up Thursday morning. Father, it's Thursday. I know that this isn't a churchy day. But it is a God-honoring day. How can I honor you today? I want to turn my attention to you. I want to look to you. I want to, I want to see how can I honor you. I want to be aware of you today. I don't want my mind to be absent the presence of God today. But I want my mind to be filled with the glory of the Lord. I want my mind to be aware that when I bump into this person at Bojangles or when I bump into this person wherever I might be. I'm going to Bojangles for the first time today. And, but wherever I'm going to be, wherever I'm at when I bump into this person. I want to know that I can honor you. I want my mind to be on you because you might be showing me something about this woman at the well that I didn't see before you. Well, she's a Samaritan. Yeah, she's a Samaritan. But only you see that. I want to tell you, it wasn't the disciples. It was only the disciples that saw that woman at the well as a Samaritan woman. Christ didn't see her as a Samaritan. He saw her as a daughter. He saw her as an opportunity. He didn't say, oh, you little dog. He said, oh, you big opportunity. To not love God is like pulling the string on a sweater, eventually unraveling all that once kept you warm. Think about it. You ever seen that? I watched, my wife and I watch Alone. I tell you this all the time because it seems like it's on all the time. And we watch Alone and this girl was in there and they were freezing and they were in, I don't know where they were, Labrador I think. And they were freezing and she takes this little string this, sticking out on that sweater and she begins to unravel it so that she can make some fishing line or something and she's unraveling that thing and it's just coming apart and what once kept her warm suddenly would not. Because what once was a bundle of warmth is now a string. And you're, it's going to take a lot of wrapping to make that string work. And I can tell you that's what happens when we, when we don't love God. What it does is it unwraps the thing that once kept us warm. There's this sense of uh, knowing him and loving him. If I, if I honor him, if I seek to say, Father, I want your presence. I want you to be present in every minute of my day, every minute of every day, my Monday, my Tuesday. I want you to be present in all of it. And I want to see you in it. I want, to, I want you to make me aware of moments that I can reflect your glory. Help me see in this, not from a religious perspective, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do this. Don't do it because you're supposed to. Do it because he gives you a word to do it. Don't do, we should not do what we do because of the law. We should ultimately move into doing what we do because by word and spirit, he begins to lead us into the moment. What happens if we do not love God and one another? Cultures fail, societies fail, honor is lost, respect is lost, morals come apart, identity, fulfillment. People don't even pay attention anymore. They're not interested anymore about what it is that the Father wants or interested in what they want. And I'm going to get into something that might seem a little political to somebody real quick. I'm just going to say this real fast and, and then I'm not going to hang out there because I think it applies here. But when I consider what fails if we don't love God, it's important to love God and I want to love Him by honoring Him. I want to love Him by, by hearing His voice and positioning myself every day to allow Him 
to speak to me and to guide me and to direct me. But if I don't love God, again, with cultures failing, society, honor, respect, all of these things, morals, identity, how we're fulfilled, none of these things come to pass outside of the love of God. And I can tell you today that when I consider all that's going on with Ukraine and Russia, and, and um, it, you know, there's, there's a part of us, everybody in this room right now has an opinion about who's right and who's wrong. Everybody has a thought about, I think, man, go Ukraine. And then there's a few that are like, go Russia. You know, they have a right. And then there's a few, and every opinion, every single opinion, every single 100% of the opinions are based on what you've seen and heard. I doubt there's anybody among us under the sound of my voice that's ever been to either you spent any time in Ukraine or Russia to actually have a valid thought. I'm neither for Ukraine nor against it. I'm neither for Russia nor against it. Can I tell you why? I don't care if they win or lose. I don't care if Russia gets it or they don't get it. I don't care if Ukraine survives or doesn't survive. Can I tell you, this is the crazy thing. We wrap our minds around politically. We wrap our minds because when cultures fail, society fails, we stop honoring God. We think about what we see that seems important outside of what God sees as important. Ukraine is the number one nation in the world for human sex trafficking. No other nation in the world does more to destroy children's lives than Ukraine. Still today... And yet most of the church world, most people around the world today are rooting for Ukraine. Should they root against it? I don't know. I'm not rooting for it or against it. I don't care. Boy, it got quiet in here. Do you know why I don't care? Because I don't have the right to make an opinion. I've never been there. In fact, I'm never going there. I've never been to Russia. And I'm never going to Russia. And if one of those nations needs to be judged, my opinion is not the one to do it. It is the Father. It isn't right for me to decide to celebrate this victory that Ukraine has or this victory that Russia has. What's right for me is to say, Father, let your will be done. You be honored in this thing. You be glorified in this thing. And however it turns out, I'm going to believe your hand is in it. There's going to be a lot of believers, I believe, that are going to be sorely disappointed. They're going to feel like God has somehow failed them because Ukraine, if they lose, if they don't get it, they're going to feel somehow God failed them. Instead of saying, is it possible that God did what God said he's going to do and he has judged what needed to be judged? Is anybody hearing what I'm saying in here today? I doubt anybody hearing my voice right now has ever been to either of these places, yet I can tell you almost 100% of the people hearing my voice right now has already made an opinion about who you think the good guy is and who you think the bad guy is. And nobody in here, not 100% of the people listening to my voice has no idea. And everything you believe, you believe because you watch CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or you listen to your neighbor. And they tell you what they want you to believe. Now imagine this. Now imagine this. Instead of wrapping your mind around what men are saying about these things. And not just these things. I'm talking about cultures and society and honor and respect and morals and identity. Instead of wrapping your mind around these things. Instead of listening and letting those voices begin to tell you what is right and what is wrong. You begin to say, Father, how do I love God? I'm going to love you by honoring you. And I'm not going, I don't have a dog in the fight. And if I put a dog in the fight, I'm taking the dog back out. Because I'm going to trust you. 
I choose, Father, to trust you. I choose to choose to put my hope and my belief in you, and I'm going to love you, and whatever happens over there, whatever happens around the corner, whatever happens down the street, whatever happens in the house behind me, I'm going to leave it up to you, but I am going to honor you. And I'm going to look in your face. One of the awesome things I love about my granddaughter, there's so many things about her. I'll be talking about her. As long as I'm preaching, I'll be talking about my granddaughter <laughs> and every grandchild I have. But one of the awesome things I love about my granddaughter, she's come to this place where she did this to me a couple weeks ago, one of the last times that I held her. And it, it, she's learned now that if you're holding her and she wants you to look at her, She's learned now that she can move your head or she will turn. You're holding her over here. She will put her face all the way around. <laughs> if she wants to be seen, she's going to be seen. And she will, I'm here, just in case you don't know, I know you're holding me. But I'm right here. And then she gives you that little smile that changes your life. I'm a granddaddy. I'm a poppy. I can tell you what the Father wants is for us to, in the same way. See, when Raiden, if she gets scared, she might cry out. She might do any of that. But when she's in the arms of her daddy or her mama or her poppy or her nanny or whomever she, whoever's holding, she might get afraid. You know what she's looking for? She's not going to try to interpret what she's, what's scaring her. She's not going to try to figure out, do I need to be afraid or don't I? She's just going to look, and when she sees your eyes, that's enough for her. She gets her face in your face, that's enough for her. And you know what the Father wants? You want to know how to love God? Get, get in His face. Turn your body around. You know what? I hear a lot of distractions. There's society and cultures and morality is falling apart all around me, but this is what I'm going to do. Instead of trying to interpret all of this, what I'm going to try to do, this is what I'm going to do, Father. I'm going to just get around. I'm going to, I'm going to get all up in your face. Here's a statement I want to read from an unknown author, and I'm going to begin to wrap this up. But it says, God, he said this. I don't know who wrote this and when it, when it was written, um, but it's a powerful statement that I had written down some time ago. It said, God desires to be loved by men although he needs them not. And men refuse to love God, though they need him in an infinite degree. I think I put that in the app. I'm not sure, but I think it's on the app if you want to see. It says, God's, God desires to be loved by men, although he needs them not. And men refuse to love God, though they need him in an infinite degree. How to love God? I love God because I recognize I need him in an infinite degree. I can't measure how much I need God. I can't put a ruler on it. It won't fill a cup. But I need him in an infinite degree. 1 John chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 reads like this. It says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whoever has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. How do I love God? Keep His commandments. And His commandments are not weighty. His commandments are not hindering. His commandments are not burdensome. The law was. In fact, he said the law, when he gave them the law, he said, I gave it to you knowing you could not keep it. It was more than you could bear. That was the law. But his commandments, he says, are not burdensome. They're not weighty. He said, you want to love me? Keep my commandments. Keep my word. And the only way you can keep my word is when you submit yourself in the environment in the place, in a way, get your face in my face so that when I talk, you're hearing what I'm saying. How do I love God? Keep his commandments. And I wrote a few things here, and I'm just going to read them. It says, begin by accepting those commandments as his word, as his word, and not as man's. Even going back to what I said a while ago, hopefully nobody, everybody understood what I was saying and the spirit of which I said it when I was talking about tithe and offering. Begin by accepting the word as his word and not as man's. You can, you can get mad at me and you can say, yeah, it's just Steve Parker. But it isn't just Steve Parker. You want to know how to love God? Love him. Keep his commandments. Keep his word, what he's saying to you. Read scripture. Familiarize. Let, let him come alive in you. The Bible isn't the first period and the last period. There's so much more that he wants to say regarding you. Talk to him. You know, I've, I've tried to talk to him. I don't feel like he's listening. Well, I can tell you this. His ears never closed, nor his face ever turned. Even when you think he's not listening, I want to tell you the Father's hearing you. In your worst moment and in your best moment, when you're talking to him and you don't get this fuzzy feeling. It's not because he's not hearing you. He's just not fuzzy at the moment. True. I remember when I first got saved, everything, the only time that God was moving was when something crazy, people had to be crying everywhere, running around the building, or bobby pins flying, whatever it was. People had to lose their hairdo. Only then was God really moving. The funny thing is, in the middle of all of that, when I would listen to people and I would hear them talk and I would think, and I would have moments and experiences of my own where whether I was driving in my car or I was out cutting the grass or whatever I might be doing, I would experience God and I didn't have any of that. I didn't feel like running around the yard. I didn't feel like running around the church. I didn't feel like throwing my bobby pins. None of those things. I didn't feel any of that. It didn't feel, there were no feelings. There was nothing fuzzy, nothing warm, nothing, whoo, God isn't me. None of that. But I trusted he heard me. And you know what? He did. You've never spoken a word that he has not heard. Whether you've blessed him or cursed him. You've never spoken a word that he's not heard. And you'll never speak a word that he does not hear. You'll never open your mouth that he's not listening for you. Vanessa, very much, I can tell you the moment your lips part, he's paying attention to what's about to come out. 
When you're driving down the road, music's playing and you turn that off so that you can just have a simple moment with him and you talk to him. You want to know how to love God? Turn it all off. Say, Father, if I sit here in silence, I'm submitting myself to you. I simply want to be with you. I'm spending time with you. Fuzzy is not important. All the excitement, fast heartbeat, the need to run, none of that's important. What's important is I'm spending time with you. Immerse yourself in the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of men. And recognize when the kingdom of men get in the way of the kingdom of God. Somebody needs to write that down. I'm telling you today. You want to know how to love God? It isn't hard. It's recognizing that He is. Opportunity is present today. Introduce yourself to the Father and make yourself known to Him. You know, there's people, as I wrap this up right now, there are people that you've really never just said, Father, here I am. It's just me. It's just this guy. <laughs> um, I'm Steve Parker. I know you know my name. I know you know all of that. Um, but here I am. There's people that have never really done that, and they've, they've wandered around through life. They, they meander through their day. They move through their moments. And there's this sense, there's this thought, there's this process in their mind that God is, but he isn't near them. That he's somewhere, he's just not here. There's that sense in people's lives. He's somewhere. He's just not here. But I want you to know today, not only is he somewhere, he is here. Wherever your here is, he is here. So again, when you talk to him, in your here place, he hears. When you say, I'm going to introduce myself to you. I just want you to know that I know you know me, but I I, I need to know that you know me. So I'm just going to introduce myself to you today. My name is Steve Parker. I just want you to know today that I want to know you. I want to love you. The question is never whether or not God loves us. Never. Even if there's times that we feel like there's no way he could possibly love this. (laughs) Look at this mess. I mean, there's no way he could love this. And I want to tell you, he doesn't see the mess. He sees this. He sees you. He wants to know you. And if you say, Father, this is me, and I come to you today, and I give you my all, and if I've never loved you, I'm starting now. I'm going to love you because I'm going to get my face in your face. I'm going to be aware of what's around me. I'm going to be aware of what's moving around me. And I am not going to let the kingdom of men get in the way of the kingdom of God in my life. I'm not going to let the kingdom of men become the hurdle that I have to leap over to know you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right here. Just like it is there. Leave nothing undone. Stand with me.